0: The Big Rick Podcast, the best of the biggest interviews from Big Rick in the morning on iHeartRadio, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are heard. See more info now at onairwithrick.com.
1: Yeah, this is uh, Congressman.
0: Hey, good morning, sir. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm outstanding. Well, hey, I first want to ask you, because you haven't been on the program probably in a couple months, you've been busy in Washington. How are yes, things sir. going with you, sir? How are you feeling?
1: everything's going going well, you know, it's uh, it's uh, kind of a circus up here watching the democrats continue to try to find something or anything to impeach president trump.
0: Yeah, and we're going to touch on that in just a moment. Okay. But uh, I've I've got some questions for you, and the first one is about the impeachment inquiry. All right.
1: Um,
0: So here it goes. I mean, basically, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of dynamics, a lot of information, a lot of things going on. But if you could, for our listeners, just kind of narrow this down for us as, as simply as you can of what's really going on with the impeachment proceedings happening in Congress right now.
1: Well, the, the one thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is there has never been a formal vote on the House floor to have an impeachment inquiry. Okay. Uh, Pelosi keeps talking about the impeachment inquiry, but we've never had a formal vote. So we're already in uncharted territory. Uh, all the depositions are, are being done behind closed doors with absolutely zero transparency, and only a handful of members are allowed in those, and I'm one of those members because I'm on the Oversight Committee. Mm -hmm. And I can say with confidence, they have not found one impeachable thing on President Trump. And what they said yesterday was the bombshell. The way the press has reported that, they're getting their sources from Adam Schiff, who has never uh, been a real credible source on this from day one. And it's it's absolutely not true. So the President is going to fare very well. At the end of the day, yeah. in all this,
0: well, you you cited a, a vote not being taken on this. Can, can you specify what that means exactly, and what what the process should be according to what you're saying?
1: Well, according to uh, the rules and the and the Constitution, you the House of Representatives has to file uh, an impeachment inquiry, meaning they have to begin impeachment proceedings, and that vote has never been taken. And the reason it's never been taken is because there are a lot of Democrats in swing districts where President Trump is still popular, that if they voted for that, it would devastate their chances at at being reelected next year. So Pelosi's trying to protect her vulnerable members while at the same time please her Radical members like Ocasio-Cortez and, and Rashid Talib and, and that bunch.
0: Okay. Uh, and finally, I had to ask, uh, since we're talking to the constituents of South Central Kentucky, do you support the proceedings or not?
1: Absolutely not. I mean, there, there's nothing impeachable that has been uh, committed by President Trump. You know, you, you can argue whether he uh, makes appropriate tweets or not. You can argue with his style uh, I, for example, I support withdrawing troops all across the world, but I don't think he handled the uh, Syrian troop withdrawal uh, in the best possible manner. Having said that, uh, that's not an impeachable offense, and you can't impeach a president of the United States just because you don't like him or uh, agree with his policies. You, you know He has to commit high crimes and, or, or treason, yeah. and this president has not done that.
0: So let me ask you this, uh, just a follow up question really quick. You know, uh, y- you work with the president a lot more than normal everyday citizens. You probably have right. a lot more interaction with him. Yes. You know, just my perception uh, is he's not the most formal president we've ever had. Right. He just says things a little differently. Can you maybe describe what it's like to work with him day to day?
1: Well, it's a challenge. Uh, he's, he's uh He's very popular in the district. I like him. I would love to play around to golf with him. I mean, he's a—he's <laughs> just like one of the one of the guys, you know. But uh, having said that, he he could stand to have a little more organization uh, in his uh, day-to-day activities and a little better uh, communication. Uh, he, you know, he's just had a lot of turnover in his administration because whenever you go to work for Donald Trump, you immediately start getting open records requests from media outlets, you immediately start uh, having subpoenas uh, pop up on your desk every day, and and you have to therefore hire a lawyer with your own money. And unless you're just fabulously rich and um, immune to constant criticism every day by the media, uh, you're not going to go to work for for Donald Trump, and that narrows it down to what, what he can have. So he's never filled out a lot of his uh, personnel slate simply because once you start working for him, you're constantly harassed. Yeah. So uh, I think he's doing a, a really good job as president. I think, you know, it may be frustrating from time to time for members of Congress working with the president, but the people in, in my district and in Kentucky clearly appreciate someone that's outside the box, and they want someone to disrupt the. The process in, in Washington. They want someone to drain the swamp, and they don't want someone that's politically correct. So Donald Trump is all of the above, and he's going to continue to govern that way. Uh, I think he's accomplished a lot. You know, the economy's strong. That's always the most important uh, issue with, with most voters. And I think we're going to continue to have some good wins on the policy front with Donald Trump. I'm going to keep working with him. And uh Hopefully, he'll continue to remain popular in, in Kentucky.
0: Congressman, I hope you don't mind. I would like to ask a follow-up question on the Syrian uh, okay. S- Syria issue. Uh, you know, I, I read an article this morning. I, I'm trying to remember the source. I think it was Fox News. and The president was quoted as saying, this is not our border. We shouldn't be losing lives over it. Uh, now, you've said that you are opposed to how he handled the pullout from Syria. Uh, what could he have done better? But also, do you agree with what he's saying there?
1: I agree 100% with what he said. That's not our border. And I did not – I was one of the 60 Republicans that voted against the resolution condemning the president because I support troop withdrawals. I don't think we have any business in a lot of countries around mm. the world. Yeah. And I think that if we're going to ever be serious about balancing the budget, which is a priority for me, we're going to have to look at the defense budget. I mean, we're building roads and bridges in other countries when we need to be building roads and bridges in Kentucky. Yeah. So I support the the withdrawal of troops. I just think that he should have had a deal with with Turkey because Turkey gets foreign aid from the United States. Yeah. My he should have had a deal with Turkey. Do not cross this line at least for a year or something. You know, don't cross this line while we're, while we're pulling our troops out. It made America look bad and. Uh, you know, it just wasn't handled in the, in the best diplomatic way possible. Yeah. But I do support uh, withdrawing those troops. We cannot continue to be the policeman for the world. We just can't afford it in the United States.
0: Now, my next question is just built on pure speculation, okay, on my part. But it just feels like to me when he's making these foreign policy decisions like Syria, uh, that he's, he's looking at it like a business mm-hmm. in a way. I, that's just my perception. Is that true or no?
1: I think that's true. I think that's the way he's governing, Uh, and you know a lot of people in Congress don't like it. The media can't stand it, but I think that's what people want. Now, when you make business decisions, sometimes you have to have a little knowledge of history, Mm -hmm. and I I think if you've had any uh, historical account of what goes on between uh, Turkey and the Kurds, you're going to know that uh, unless you have some kind of deal – to not invade Syria and, and uh, slaughter the Kurds, then then something like that's going to happen. So I don't I don't know that he fully appreciated what Turkey would do. Went you know right as he was pulling those those troops out. Yeah. But I know that Vice President Pence has been over there and had some stern discussions with uh, the President of Turkey, and and I hope that this ceasefire will continue and and hopefully time will pass, and, you know, it doesn't matter what's going to happen. The, the, the Turkey and the Kurds are going to continue to fight. They fought throughout history. They're going to continue to fight. We don't have any business in the fight. The, the only reason that we should be anywhere near Syria is to protect our ally Israel. Yeah. And that is a concern. Uh, you know, we certainly don't want anyone to attack Israel, because if you attack Israel, you're going to have World War III, and we don't want to be a part of that. So uh, the only interest that we have at the end of the day in the Middle East, in my opinion, is to protect Israel.
0: This is uh, fascinating stuff. Let's move on to the United States-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. Now, you've recently co-authored an op-ed for this, and, mm-hmm. and you obviously uh, you do support it. And also, what does this mean for Kentucky, too?
1: Well, it's a huge win for Kentucky. You know, Canada ironically, is Kentucky's biggest uh, export market. So we have a tremendous relationship with Canada. Uh, in Kentucky, you know, in Bowling Green, you make Corvettes. And, uh, Bowling Green's not in my congressional district, but all around Bowling Green is in my congressional district. And we, uh, we make parts for the automobile in my district, huge automotive parts manufacturing district. Uh, a lot of the raw materials for those parts come from Mexico. So if you don't have a clear trade agreement, between the United States and Mexico and then, you know, between the United States and Canada, then the supply chain begins to get disrupted. Mm-hmm. Then you can have instances where they could put tariffs on us, and you, you see what happens to the economy when, when tariffs start, yes uh, you know, appearing. So we need to pass this USMCA. There are, there's more than enough there are more than enough votes in the House of Representatives to pass it, and the Senate you know, has already indicated they would, they would pass it probably the next day after we passed it in the House. The only reason Nancy Pelosi has not brought that USMCA up for a vote on the House floor is because she does not want to give Donald Trump a win. And I think that's, that says a lot about her leadership, and it, it's just really sad because she represents San Francisco. Obviously, San Francisco is uh, is very different ideologically than Kentucky. However, they're a big technology hub. Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And they need the USMCA. I mean, they are very dependent on uh, the supply chain between Canada and Mexico. There are a lot of things we manufacture in the United States, but a lot of the parts come from Mexico and Canada, and, and we, we don't have facilities in the United States that make those parts. So, you know, it's a – it's a world economy and Mexico and Canada are are as important to the United States as, as Tennessee and Indiana are to Kentucky. Yeah. And and we need to look at it that way. So the uh the speaker's really doing a disservice to the American economy. She's spooking a lot of manufacturers because, you know, it's already a, a, a tense scenario for them with the trade war with China, but if we don't get that U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement ratified, then it's going to be a problem as we move forward. I would like to follow
0: up, if you don't mind. Uh, You mentioned China, and and running through my mind as you were talking, I I do recall maybe a month or two ago the president going back and forth with China over uh, uh, tariffs and, and also with other countries, too. Why is this so important to the president and and to to, to folks like yourself to, to have this fair trade agreements and how does that affect Kentuckians as far as more money in their pocket?
1: Well, with China, it, it it's a it's a big deal because you have uh, agriculture is one of the biggest industries in Kentucky. It's the biggest industry in my congressional district, uh, all throughout the the congressional district, even in the Bowling Green area. You take Hopkinsville, you know Christian County, there huge agribusiness uh, hub. We grow a lot of tobacco, a lot of soybeans. All of those were being exported to, to China. The the, deba- the majority of the burley tobacco that was being grown, the, the overwhelming majority of the soybeans, uh, they were ended up, uh, you know, on contain on barges and on containers going to going to China. We have a lot of companies in in Bowling Green in Kentucky that that uh, China's you know anywhere from ten to to twenty five percent of their sales. So, uh, with the Trade war that's going on, you know, that's been devastated. We we have a huge uh, lumber industry uh, in the eastern part of my district, around Monroe County, where I live. Uh, the overwhelming majority of the quality dry kiln uh, lumber was being exported to China. That has completely been cut off now. There there is absolutely nothing going to China in the lumber industry now. So, uh, it's it's really taken its toll. You know, just in Monroe County, in the lumber industry, we also have a lot of uh, machine shops that that make parts for the machines and the saws and the lumber, and they're completely shut down. I mean, it's really starting to grind the economy to a halt, and it's imperative that we get this trade deal wrapped up pretty soon, because there aren't very many industries in Kentucky that are not affected by this trade war with China.
0: Uh real quick, you know, we had the Mexico Canada trade agreement. Is there a, a trade agreement that works with China as well?
1: Yes, that's what the president's gotcha. trying to negotiate a a bilateral trade agreement uh, between the United States and and China. You know, there was a lot of criticism during the presidential campaign in 26 over the what was called the TPP, the Trans-Pacific ah, Partnership. Yes. That mm-hmm. was a multi, that was about 14 countries in the Asia Pacific. Uh the president indicated he didn't want to be a part of An agreement between 14 or 15 countries. He wanted to do bilateral agreements between the United States and Australia, the United States and New Zealand, you know, and the United States and Vietnam, not one big agreement. And I think that uh, is the right position. You know, the America. There's a big difference between the United States economy and Vietnam's economy or or South Korea's economy. So, uh, the, the president's trying to do the right things uh we had to stand up to china they were stealing our patents they were stealing our intellectual property they were dumping on the foreign market they were uh, manipulating their currency and i think that china's getting the message you're going to you're going to stop and you're going to attempt to have free and fair trade with the united states or else we're going to cut off trade completely with you and uh, that's that's uh, that's popular with a lot of people, but it's yeah. carrying a lot of businesses to death. I'll just be honest with you. You said it's mani- something that had to be done.
0: You said manipulating currency. That's what I was missing in my brain when I was thinking of China. Yeah. I do remember that too. What what does that mean? Do, do, do they just uh, overvalue their currency? Or they are they, th- they they print more it, money? They or? they
1: do whatever they need. If if uh, if it's advantageous for them for the dollar to be strong, then they weaken their currency. If it's advantageous for them to have a weak dollar, then they've uh, increased the value of their currency. They don't have a Federal Reserve like we huh. do. They don't have a Fed Board. They don't have uh, a Treasury Department. They don't have you know, the checks and balances that, that we do. They're basically, President Z over there can do anything he wants. And, you know, they're, they're releasing numbers. Their economy grew 6% last quarter, which was way down from what it had been growing. But I don't believe it grew 6%. I believe it shrank. And most of us and most economists believe that, too. But there's no way to know because they're still a communist yeah. country. And they're, they're, uh, they're a you- very dangerous country <laughs> to be able to do stuff like that. So yeah. uh, if we don't stand up to them, they're going to steal all of our manufacturing. What's you know, in, in the future. So, I, I support what the president's doing. I wish, I think we would have more leverage with China if Pelosi would let us vote on the United States-Mexico agreement, and that would uh, that would show China that uh, you know the United States is on board with free and fair trade. Right now, what Pelosi's doing is is giving China confidence to reject every offer that the president has has um, you know given China.
0: Interesting. It's it's funny how when you control the message, which is what China is doing,
1: mm-hmm. and when you
0: control the numbers, you you can kind of do what you want, which isn't fair trade at all. Right. I mean, if you really just you know narrow it down and make it that simple. Uh, let's move on to um, what you're doing in the district. I mean, Congress is going to be out of session. Uh, I've seen on Twitter that you've been quite a few places already right. in your district. What are, What is your agenda the next few weeks and where are you going to be at?
1: Well, we've got one more week in in D.C. and then we're off for a couple of weeks. I'm 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 going to vote uh, on November whatever yeah. it is uh, in Monroe County. But you know, we I love to travel the district. I I get invited to a lot of Rotary clubs. I get invited to a lot of chamber luncheons, chamber banquets. Uh, you know, a lot of schools invite me to uh, look at some of the programs they're doing. I love visiting factories and businesses and learning about uh, what they make and what their challenges are and uh, that's pretty much what I do. We we we're working right now on the schedule for the next 3 weeks and we'll be hopefully in in uh, the majority of my 35 counties over over the month of November.
0: Okay, who offers the best lunch? Just curious.
1: The best lunch? <laughs> yeah, I've got my place in in every every town. There's a little place in Fredonia, Kentucky called the Coondog Inn. You know, I'm from Monroe <laughs> County, so that that's right up my alley and then uh, you know, there's a Thai restaurant in in Murray uh, called Jasmine's that I, I like. I've got I've got from Farrell's and in, in Madisonville to, to you know the Monroe County barbecue. I've got a I've got a place in every town where I like to eat, and it's usually not a white tablecloth restaurant, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean there. Well, you said you got a couple weeks left uh, in Washington. What are the priorities right now, uh, legislatively, for you? What What are you working on?
1: Well, right now, the number one priority for me is the USMCA. You know, we're doing everything we can to, to pressure Pelosi to bring it up for a vote. I mean, that like the op-ed that I wrote, uh, it got picked up by every major uh, newspaper in, in the United States because the, the two people that wrote it with me were also uh, – heads of their department of agriculture i was commissioner of agriculture before i came to congress and these other two guys had similar positions uh, one in the state of washington one in the state of tennessee so we kind of talked about uh, the impact on agriculture and you know it's uh, i've met privately with about 35 more moderate democrats mm-hmm. that that support this so i can tell you with confidence the votes are there on the floor to, to pass this bill and that's that's something that you know we've only got you know it's not going to be voted on today we we have two vote series today yeah it's not on the agenda today uh tomorrow it was canceled because of elijah cummings funeral so we've got all next week before we're off for a, a couple of weeks and you know we're just doing everything we can to try to get that vote yeah. on the floor and we're also going to vote on a bill that I'm a, the main Republican sponsor of called the Older Americans Act it's very important it funds a lot of senior citizen centers and their meal programs like meals on wheels it's very popular in in every community in Kentucky so uh, those are my two priorities the Older Americans Act and the United States Mexico Canada agreement
0: Okay, Congressman Comer, uh, I know uh, I've probably taken more of your time than what was allotted, but I do have one, a couple other questions. Right. The first one is, uh, obviously, Representative uh, Cummings, uh, or I can't remember, Senator or Representative?
1: Representative, yeah. R-
0: Representative Cummings, of course, passed away this past week. I know you've probably worked with him pretty closely over the years. Mm-hmm. He is a fellow colleague across the aisle. you, you have any words you want to say about uh, Representative Cummings?
1: Yes, I'm a ranking Republican on the Oversight Committee, which he chaired. And he was, we, we didn't agree on very much, but he was a gentleman and he was always prepared. And, uh, he tried to do what he thought was right. And I think that, uh, the, the institution lost a lot when, uh, Elijah Cummins passed away. He was a good man. Uh, he represented Baltimore, you know, the wow. urban part of our, of Baltimore, but, uh, I enjoyed serving on the Oversight Committee with him for, for the entire three years I've been here, and, and he, he certainly uh, was a good congressman.
0: What was your favorite memory of him?
1: Well, I just uh, – I guess all the heated, uh, <laughs> heated uh, committee meetings we had. You know, Trey Gowdy was the top Republican on it uh, until last year, and now Jim Jordan is. So you could imagine they had some, they had some uh, pretty heated exchanges there over procedure, Mm-hmm. but uh I can say that elijah Cummins was was always a gentleman, and you know you 're not supposed to agree on everything in congress i think uh that's uh, that 's a given but yeah uh, you can disagree and and do it in a in a somewhat civil and, and cordial manner, and and that's what Elijah Cummins did.
0: Okay, finally, Congressman, we do the, uh, in our State of the State segment, we always do this thing called sound off. I'm going to give you two minutes to sound off on things that are on your mind right now, things that you just want to say straight to the people of Kentucky.
1: Well, I know a lot of people that uh, strongly support President Trump are concerned about the impeachment proceedings. I can tell you from being a member, one of the top members on the Oversight Committee, uh, he has done nothing wrong. I, I've read all the transcripts. I'm I'm keeping up with the with the depositions and who's going in there and what they're saying. There there is no bombshell. Uh, it's just like the Mueller report. There's a dud. The reason that Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi are conducting these impeachment hearings in behind closed doors is because they don't have anything, and they're going out there and they're uh, leaking to the liberal national news media what they. Want to to have to have happen in there, and they're getting excited about it on CNN and MSNBC. But I can tell you, there's nothing that has happened uh, that would uh, give them any type of silver bullet in this. So, uh, just. Hang tight. This is, unfortunately, political theater by Pelosi and Adam Schiff. It'll be over soon, and, and I think President Trump's in a good position going into the election next year.
0: Okay. It's our State of the State segment, sponsored by United Producers, Representative James Comer. Congressman James Comer. So many titles for you, sir. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on this show. And when you're running through uh, the area, if you want to stop by the station, we'd glad to have you by for maybe a, a lunch or something like that, man. Hey,
1: I'm all about it. <laughs>
0: all right. All right. Uh, tell them real quick where they can find you on the internet, uh, website, all that good stuff.
1: You can Google James uh, uh, James Comer dot uh, com website. We've got our uh, official government website. You don't. You, know, you can just punch the name in and it'll it'll pop <laughs> out. Uh.
0: All right. Sounds good. And, of course, you're very active on Twitter, too. I follow you there.
1: Yeah, so. K- it's KY Comer. K-Y, that's a Kentucky abbreviated. KY Comer, C-O-M-E-R. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm very transparent with where I am and what I'm thinking, and I'd love to uh, have you follow me on Twitter.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Congressman, thank you so much for being on this morning. We appreciate your time. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Big
0: Rick Podcast. Remember to subscribe on iHeartRadio, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are heard. See exclusive video interviews and content now with the Big Rick in the Morning YouTube channel. Subscribe now at onairwithrick.com.